So Doug is going to guide us through sources, strategies, economics. Um, so please come and take over and guide us through. Yeah, I'm going to say a few words about uh, the IMO 2020 as a, as a lead up to the panel discussion following very shortly. And uh, you are uh, probably all very well aware of, uh, of, uh, of the background here. Uh, and it, since it was announced that we would have the sulfur cap implemented from January 1st, 2020, uh, up to now, it's been very easy to find people who are skeptical on the availability of compliant fuels. Um, among the people who have been raising their concerns, we found uh, already early last year, International Energy Agency saying that, uh, actually having a quite bold statement, saying that almost half of the marine fuels uh, consumption or demand in 2020 could be uncovered because of the lack of lead time for the refinery industry to adapt. We've had uh, with McKenzie, another reputable energy researcher, saying that this could cost the shipping industry $60 billion. Uh, we've had NCS who ran the parallel study with the CD Delft. Um, the head researcher there said earlier this summer that he was even more concerned now than he was uh, when they did this study in 2016. So there's been a lot of concerns. And looking at the alternatives for the owners, this has been mentioned and you're quite aware of it already. But as most ship owners, they have a few alternatives. You can install the scrubber, which has been uh, increasingly of interest among people lately. Um, it's a bit of a hassle because you need to train your crew. There's a, a retrofit, uh, there's a cost, there's off-hire time involved. There's been a lot of uncertainty and concerns about the quality of the systems, uh, people pointing to uh, issues that uh, they've had with the ballast water systems and kind of taking comparisons to that. Uh, but one of the things that has been looking quite attractive uh, for the scrubber as an alternative is a short payback. Uh, basis the forward market prices for uh, compliant fuel sources save fuel oil going forward. Um, it has not been a big issue to retrofit existing vessels either uh, because the systems have be become smaller and smaller over time. I'm coming back to some of it. Another alternative is to run on compliant fuels, of course, whether it's blend uh, of low sulfur fuel oil, gas oil. Um, uh, you also can run on, uh, on compliant fuels, but it's not completely hassle-free either. If you run on pure gas oil, you need to do some trial and testing on how much additional lube you would need because viscosity in gas oil is much lower. Uh, if you have uh, any sort of blend, uh, there will be standardization issues because there's no uh, standard currently. And I think we've seen both in Houston and Singapore just this year that if you have off-spec off bunker in the market, it can cause some significant trouble. And mixing these uh, various specs of fuel is something that uh, the uh, classification agencies like DNB, for instance, strongly uh, recommend you not to do because you have the risk of clogging the filters and eventually have an engine failure. Uh, availability and price, there's a lot of expectations of high prices of this. So in most cases, I think people are expecting compliant fuels to be a more expensive alternative than the scrubber alternative. But as I'm going to come back to, it's a bit of a uh, discussion of, on who will be responsible. Is this a responsibility for the ship owners or is this a responsibility to be followed up by the refinery industry? I'm going to come back to that. LNG, uh, LPG could also be alternatives. 
Uh, LNG is still way too expensive. Uh, infrastructure is still not good enough. So it still uh, kind of uh, seems to be a, a premature uh, solution. We might see a uh, uh, speeding up uh, adoption of LNG as fuel in the early 2020s if we have a high, uh, high prices for compliant fuels. Um, we also got LPG, but when you, and cost-wise, LPG places itself between scrubber and LNG. But when you look at the availability, uh, volumes, etc., it leads at least me to believe that this um, LPG as a fuel will pr predominantly be a fuel for the LPG fleet, not for the, uh, all other segments. The fourth alternative here is to phase out the vessels. Um, alternative use, it was mentioned storage. Um, and I think the older th uh, fuel-thirsty vessels will lose out if you have high-compliant fuel prices because it doesn't make sense on a very old vessel to invest in a scrubber. And uh, at the same time, if the vessel is uh, fuel gobbling and prices are high, it will be complete loss of compet uh, competitiveness. Some vessels will be scrapped, and the potential here is, uh, is increasing in, uh, in the next couple of years. If you take the VLCC fleet as an example, we had only three VLCCs last year coming up for four special survey. We still got 28 ships built in 2000, which will be up for four special survey in 2020. So there's a huge increase in the uh, aging candidates uh, coming into 2020. An alternative to scrap will be just drop in utilization. If you have a VLCC, old VLCC, let's say lifting four or five cargoes in 2019 and then completely lose out in 2020 because of the high fuel price and consumption. Uh, maybe they only do one or nil cargoes. It's not showing on the supply and demand statistics, but if it has a drop in utilization, it has a market uh, balance effect. Some of the old ships might also have a floating storage hope. Uh, and I think on the heavy fuel oil um, side, we might see a surplus that could end up on, on vessels, tanker vessels. The reason being, we have about 8 million uh, barrels a day market on, on heavy fuel oil in the world today. And half of that is, uh, is going into shipping. And again, of that, we should expect that some two-thirds of it, at least, is uh, disappearing more or less overnight. And for refineries to do something with this, um, coming back to lead time at the refineries, it takes three, four, five years for, uh, for the refineries to, to adapt. But in the very end, it's a, uh, a question about whose responsibility is it and who should pay for it. Over the past year and a half, I've been sitting down with the tanker owners uh, some 150 times, um, quite a few various um, different owners among these. And some of the thoughts that was shared last year and also through first quarter of this year uh, was that scrubber, no, thanks. It, this is not my responsibility. I don't have the money. Um, it's not the, the ship owner responsibility. And also a long list of excuses with scrubbers uh, won't work. Uh, just look at the ballast water systems. They didn't work, so why should the scrubbers work? Um, it's been, of course, a lot of um, uncertainty whether it could be a postponement. Uh, until recently, when the 22 months deadline uh, was passed, um, and all sort of uh, other uh, excuses as well. But I think, bottom line, some have had a true uh, meaning that this is not their responsibility, it's the refineries that need to do something. But I think in many cases also, all these excuses have been another way of saying, I don't have the money. The finances uh, for uh, investing scrubbers and retrofitting fleet has not been in place. I've also been meeting with a lot of the uh, charters, oil companies, uh, trading companies, 
and they've had a different mindset when it comes to uh, adopting scrubbers. We've seen, for instance, perhaps the most prominent one, Trafigura's new building program. Most of the, those ships, um, one and a half billion dollar new building program, most of the ships will be delivered with a scrubber. We've seen VTOL in the market. We've seen a lot of the oil and gas majors. They started already last summer approaching uh, Greek owners uh, in Athens directly, I know. Um, we've had uh, some of the Koreans in the market. They are huge on gas oil supply, but still they have been looking for ships with, uh, with scrubber fitted. Uh, it was said that uh, charters don't want to pay for it, but we've also seen examples where the charter has actually paid uh, for some of the scrubber over the rate by giving a slightly higher rate. But I think what <clears throat> the reason why we've seen a, a different mindset from most own, uh, from many owners uh, in second quarter up to now, uh, when scrubber has uh, gained traction, uh, is that they've been looking to what are these fuel guys, the guys who run the refineries, made, make the investment decision on whether they should upgrade or not. They've been much more eager on having scrubber fitted ships available than the owners who are more distant from the uh, fuel market. And of course, also with the 22 months deadline uh, being passed, um, it, it certainly looks more, more firm than ever. And after that, we've seen uh, more owners uh, being interested in, in scrubbers than we saw last year. The economics. We've probably seen uh, several of these examples, but what I have here is a little bit of an example of two uh, existing vessels, trading vessels, VLCCs in the market. And what I've basically done here is that I got a 17-built Hyundai Eco um, VLCC. I just put in the uh, fuel profile, trading Rastanura to Ulsan at world scale 50, and this is the 2020 forward market price for HFO. Uh, I've added fuel penalty of 3% because the scrubber needs a bit uh, of, of power. And what you would end up, basis a 2018 flat rate, would be a TC on this vessel, on this voyage, of almost $29,000 a day. Here we have a fairly modern, but non-eco, also Hyundai-built ship, uh, the fuel profile of, the, of that vessel. Same world scale 50, same bunker price, same route, etc. And that vessel would yield about $21,000. Here we got the same two vessels, uh, but here we have the gas oil price. The gas oil price for 2020, we have uh, reduced the fuel consumption by 3% because of uh, higher energy intensity in gas oil than in heavy fuel oil. But here the EcoShape would suddenly have only 15000 almost half of what it had over here. Whereas the non-eco ship would have a break-even, or basically a, a zero TCE. So definitely not a break-even. You could also see the fuel bill would go from 12.5 up to nearly $40,000 a day. You could always argue whether this spread and these prices will actually be there. But this is the 2020 forward market as of Friday. If you had put in the historic averages on prices here over the last 14 years, 15 years, you would see that here you would be at about $24,000 a day, while this one would be slightly on the negative side. The spread would be narrow, but still quite massive. And that kind of leaves us with a short period of payback when it comes to the scrubber alternative, which in my opinion is the most attractive side of it. Because scrubber on the long term is not a solution, because with higher fuel consumption, you are actually uh, polluting more on the greenhouse gases, which we are about to set the target for reducing. Uh, but it's a very good way, if you have a fuel market imbalance for the first three to five years after 2020, 
uh, that's a good way of having a scrubber because payback is one to two years in comparison. So you are well prepared in, in the comparison here. And the forward market, if you look at where we are, uh, this is the forward market as of Friday. Uh, we can see that we are in the high end of the past 14 year range here uh, for 2020. Uh, it comes off, but it's still uh, expected that 21, 22 market will be higher than current spread between the two uh, fuel types. But we could always argue whether this one will go up or down, whether the price will go up and down. Um, because one thing that is highly critical for the, the fuel prices and, and the spread, this is showing the spread between gas oil and HFO uh, in comparison to crude oil prices. If you look at the spread back here, in 2011-12-13, uh, we had a spread of some 300 and 350, almost the same as we have for 2020 currently. There was nothing in the shipping market that suggested that we should have such a high price uh, spread between the two, but the thing was that we had oil prices above 100. That was all we needed to have a spread at current at the level we have the forward market for 2020. So if we have oil prices back above 100, which increasingly a number of people uh, are are forecasting these days towards 2020, we should expect that we have the spread of 300, 350 as a minimum. We also have had higher spread. Back here in 2008, we had in Rotterdam $600 ton spread. We had $700 in Singapore. What happened back here? Nothing in shipping that influenced it, but we had, once again, oil prices being above 100. Uh, and at the same time, we had a diesel squeeze in the market. So the spread went even higher than when we had plus $100 oil price here. And looking into 2020, I've been advocating for quite some time now, for a couple of years, that by 2020 we will have oil prices back above 100 unless something critical happens to demand. Reason being that when you look at the new production needed to cover depletion on existing production, expectations for demand growth, etc., and compare that to conventional startups, shale oil expectations, which leaves us with new production provided. It's a growing gap between the two. So we are, uh, we are coming out of a uh, glut of oil to actually having a deficit of oil. Uh, and the breaking point is around 2020. And the problem is predominantly that conventional startups in the oil market slow significantly from 2020 and into the early 2020s, which is again linked to very few FIDs in the oil market on new projects since the oil prices collapsed in 2014. So if demand con uh, continues to be strong, we are running into a period where suddenly supply of new oil coming into the market stops, and that should spike prices further up uh, as long as demand remains in place. I.e., we could easily see 100 plus oil prices again by 2020. We could also have another diesel squeeze, because we are increasingly depending on shale oil, and shale oil is gasoline-rich in the initial uh, distillation process compared to more conventional medium grades of crude oil. Uh, we can take one example for a complex refinery here. If they use this back-end crude oil, uh, shale oil, they have a yield of desolate of approximately 28%. Arab life would be about 35 and when you have a heavier uh, Western Canadian uh, crude, you would have more than 40% desolate yield on that crude type. But we are getting more and more of the wrong type of crude compared to what we want more of into 2020 with shipping using more desolates. And also where we have the trend already. You can see that desolate demand in OECD since 2009 has grown by almost 11%, whereas uh, gasoline demand in comparison has grown only 1%. 
So thereby we could easily have a, a squeeze on, on diesel also coming into 2020 when shipping might add uh, anything from one and a half up to three million on a demand which in the OECD today is 13.6. Availability, uh, just a few words on that. Availability of heavy fuel oil has been one concern for those looking at investing in scrubbers. And if we should have an availability issue, I wouldn't expect it to be in the main bunker ports. But in the Far East, on the smaller bunker ports, it might be an issue because the east of Suez Basin is always uh, already short of heavy fuel oil. Therefore, we have a lot of heavy fuel oil being exported, uh, surplus uh, heavy fuel oil being exported from the Caribs, Black Sea, Baltic, Rotterdam, into the Far East already today. So um, where we're going to have a surplus, likely a very big surplus of heavy fuel oil, should be in the Atlantic, because we already got surplus. And when demand vanishes, we should have even more. So looking at trade patterns for tankers going forward, I'm expecting that the heavy fuel oil trade uh, from the Atlantic into the Far East will just accelerate further with IMO 2020. Where do we have a potential uh, compliant fuels uh, shortage? Not here, because the risk for having a, a deficit of, of heavy fuel oil here is that there are mostly complex refineries who are running very low heavy fuel oil yield already. Uh, minimize their output of that. They are running a lot of uh, gas oil and, and uh, high-end products already. And China got some spare capacity on the refining side, which should be capable of supplying some of the gas oil needed uh, into 2020. In the Atlantic, though, we are not having the same. We have Russia, who have upgraded a lot of refineries over the last couple of years, producing and exporting much more gas oil than they did uh, prior to 2016. But everything they have increased so far is just being absorbed, partly into Europe because the US is uh, now struggling because of more and more shale oil blended into their uh, refinery, uh, refinery mix. US, who has been a supplier of desolates into Europe, will, is already showing signs of struggling on following up on that. So bottom line, heavy fuel oil, no problem in the Atlantic. Um, compliant fuels, less of an issue, is of Suez compared to the Atlantic. Uh, I think the next one, to save some time, uh, compliance, uh, not to say uh, too much on that because that was very well covered by the, the, the people on the previous discussion here. But I think when it comes to compliance and enforcement, of course there will be non-compliance. If you trade along some of the less developed regions uh, on a small coastal tanker, you're probably never going to see an inspector. But on the majority of world trade, we are talking about the big major economic, uh, economic zones uh, and that's where the majority of the fuel and trade takes place anyway. And like it was uh, suggested also here, I don't think the flag state will be the primary driver here. I think the port state will be the primary follow-up uh, controlling organ. Uh, basically because you have, like in the US, US Coast Guard is very firm on, on following up things and they have been signaling that 2020 will be follow-up equally firm. Uh, European Union usually just following up whatever the US are doing and trying to be as firm as the US Coast Guard. And China, another of the big uh, economic uh, zones, uh, you have probably seen lately that uh, China is actually do, uh, uh, impatient. They're actually trying to speed up things even more than 2020 by uh, impl implementing new things uh, already. And if you look at world trade overall, you have these economic areas, main economic areas, 
they account for 62% of world trade. The rest of the world account for about 38% of the world trade. And I think within here, you won't find a lot of countries who are not willing to follow up on the 2020 regulations. And even among these countries, in the other category, you will have countries who will be following up. Bottom line is that this surfer cap, um, it largely depends on the refinery industry, since we've had a very low adoption of scrubbers so far. Uh, but it's been increasing lately. But then again, it takes some time to retrofit ships. So if you haven't bought a scrubber right now, you may not have it in time for January 1st, 2020. Uh, investment requirements at the refineries. We, the latest we saw on, on that new side was Gunvor now turning down their plans for upgrading in Rotterdam because the economics were not good enough. And I think that's been the case for many refineries over the past two years. The incentives to upgrade with IMO 2020 in mind has not been good enough. And refineries are not upgrading just for some three to five year horizon. They are, when they are investing, they are, they are looking for 30 year horizons or more. And we have been talking about, uh, I've been talking to the refineries, talking anything from half a billion up to $2 billion investments uh, needed to, to facilitate more, less uh, heavy fuel oil and more gas oil desolates. Charters in the oil market have been securing compliant vessels. Take it for what it is. Um, I think it is a sign that the fuel guys um, have some doubt on availability of compliant fuels. Scrubber might have a long-term benefit, but it's primarily the three to five year market imbalance in the fuel market compared to the shorter period of payback, which is a very attractive thing about it. Uh, LNG, LPG, still uh, premature. Um, majority of owners will need to try to push this fuel cost onto the charter. That works when the market goes up, but it doesn't work in a the downturn. Then the charter is able to uh, kind of push more onto the owner. And as mentioned, compliance is expected to be driven by port states and charters, not the flag states primarily. One final comment on, on here. If you invest in a scrubber, personally, I would pick a scrubber from a solid uh, producer. Because, of course, if you invest in a scrubber, you take on some risk. That's why some people say this is the refinery industry uh, responsibility, not my responsibility. Uh, so in case it doesn't work, I think it will work, but in case it doesn't work, Make sure you have a supplier that can take your lawsuit. And whatever IMO 2020 will bring, uh, whether it's chaos, confusion, or, or all of it, keep calm and fix your furnace. That's the final remark. <laughs>